0: Welcome to Orangecrest Community Church and OCCatHome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Welcome to Orangecrest Community Church. My name is Josh DeLaRosa and got two quick updates before we launch into the message. First, uh, one of our members, Jerry Cadenhead, was on a relief aid trip to uh, Romania and he went to uh, lend a hand to the Christian churches there uh, in Romania as people are coming across the border from Ukraine. And so he's back here in Riverside and, and we're going to hear more about his trip uh, in week three of our next message series beginning on Easter Sunday. So you want to. Uh, be there for that, and then next, uh, I want to give you an update on our Phase One property development. It's, it's well underway at the at the Glen Haven campus. Most of you know that we bought land and buildings. Here's a picture of the uh, aerial of what we had purchased. It was an old swim and tennis center uh, on Alessandro uh, and uh, Glen Haven, and those buildings and that area obviously it needs updating. And so we're building out our future home. Many of you have been part of that, and I wanted to give you an update. Actually, here's a video. Sort of a time lapse giving you a glimpse of what has been going on down at our property. Take a look. in summary, they have wrapped up all sorts of soft and hard demo, meaning they've basically stripped out the buildings of all the old plumbing, all the wiring, all the sewage, all the fixtures, basically everything that was there, they basically stripped it all down to the walls only, and they knocked down even all the old walls that sort of separated rooms, and so now it's just uh, big open rooms, and we can now rebuild, or they can rebuild, in fact. Uh, but they cut the window slots, so the, we have these tiny windows now, giant windows, uh, huge uh, spaces, slots to bring in more natural light. They repaired and re-sheeted the roof. Uh, they started prepping for the foundation to support new walls, uh, putting in rebar. New concrete today was poured, uh, or uh, this week was poured uh, for the footings to support the, the new building shear walls. And so uh, electrical conduits are, are being run. Some plumbing and underground piping is going in. And so it's just exciting to see the work that has been done. If you want to keep updated on our project, then you can go to our website and just, uh, if you scroll down our website and come to the construction updates portion, you can follow weekly the updates that we place. And so uh, now developing property is, it's not typical these days. For churches, as far as I can tell, it's a real challenge on so many different levels, financially, organizationally. Relationally, spiritually, uh, emotionally—I mean, there's just a major challenge for a church to develop property uh, these days. Now, uh, maybe in a year, and I asked uh, our church builder, "How many across the country? How many churches are actually built or, or um, you know, built out?" And he said, "You know that." He thought maybe 50 across the country in, in in a year, and so I mean there might be renovations, but as far as a church taking possession of a new space and then building it out, remodeling it, or building from from uh, from scratch, ground up, just having some dirt there, it, this is not something that happens. In fact, many many churches are shutting down, and uh, you know and through the years we sort of wondered if God would provide something like that, uh, but but really we sense the uh, need to pray about. Purchasing property near the center point of uh, where people come to, come from our church. And so we started praying towards an intersection. God provided a space for us to buy a block from the intersection we were praying for. And uh, in just before the pandemic, uh, we were able to uh, close escrow on that property that we now own and are renovating. And so phase one is well underway. Uh, I read an article in the Press Enterprise well, th- this week. It was about a church in our local uh, mountains whose whose development project and conditional use permit was denied uh, by a county judge after a 20-year process. I actually think I know some people from this church, and and there has been this effort for a long time to develop some land uh, adjacent to their property, and so they purchased a large uh, plot of acreage and were working for years and years and years to try to develop, but. Uh, they hit roadblock block after roadblock, and all of these different barriers eventually culminated in a judge denying them their ability to build on their property. Now, this other church, for 20 years, uh, got got hung up over a variety of issues, and, and one of the major ones was environmental issues. Uh, there was a concern that this would endanger, and I listed out the things: it was the San Bernardino flying squirrel, the California spotted owl, the southern rubber boa the uh, a certain kind of butterfly uh, the peregrine falcon bald eagle and on and on there was this list of things that the paper stated that uh that were major environmental issues uh and so the project was found to uh, in in some other ways even be in violation of, of Cal- the California environmental quality act and uh that that is a report uh that is that is done and uh, the county or the city gets involved along with the church and the people they hire but Uh, As they walked through that, the county uh, judge basically said that uh, the project didn't address issues uh, for that California Environmental Quality Act. And so because of that, he denied uh, this ability for this church to move forward. Now, um, after 20 years, I was thinking about, wow, how long and how painful that must be. And so when I look at our situation, and and I'm still praying for that church up in the mountains, I look at our situation, it really has been miraculous to see that our Conditioning Use Permit was awarded in 19 months. Now, it seemed like a long time for us, but 19 months, that's how long the approval process took. And our construction schedule should wrap up late in, you know, in the summertime, and we're excited to see what God is going to do, and we're excited to use that property. And so please keep praying as we advance on that uh, initiative. And, and we're in between uh, some capital campaigns, and so we wrapped up in February our first capital campaign. Uh, to help with the purchase of the property and the renovation costs of our phase one. And now we're praying about when we should begin our next capital campaign. But in the meantime, uh, I would just ask you, would you continue to pray for resources? God may have a plan to now, now that we're also deeply invested in this property, in bringing other partners alongside us to help us more quickly move through and towards our future phases. And so as whenever you drive past the Glenhaven property in campus, would you just ask God, God, would you please provide the resources for us to do this, and you know the Bible says God owns the cattle on the thousand hills, all the silver, all the gold it 's all his it all belongs to him, and so if God desires to to direct some of re- some of those resources our direction to help we just we just uh, we, we haven 't been counting on that coming from the outside but but if you would pray that God would provide more resources uh, so we could just keep accelerating towards phase two, we would love that so uh, today is Palm Sunday, and I want to look at Luke chapter 19, and maybe you've heard the phrase before, or this you've heard this phrase, Palm Sunday, and you've wondered, what exactly does that mean? Maybe you have a lot of questions about the significance and wonder, ultimately, what does this day actually mean for, for you? And so, Palm Sunday actually commemorates the day when Jesus, he, he rode into the city of Jerusalem at the beginning of the week, uh, of, of the Passover week, which would end with his crucifixion I've got a video I want to show you, you take a look at this video depicting get your get your mind around uh, the, what the Bible records out of Luke 19 so take a look
0: and when he had said these things he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem when he drew near to Bethany and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples, The very stones would cry out.
1: Now, much of Jesus' ministry was demonstrations of his love, his power, his miracles, his teaching. And here we see, really, the culmination of a royal reception as Jesus enters the, the holy city of Jerusalem. And everywhere he went, there was this excitement, there was this buzz that followed. And we really don't have a concept of this, this welcoming entourage that is described and you saw there in that clip. Maybe some things that feel similar in our world is, uh, you know, I once saw a, a presidential motorcade. It was in Washington, D.C., and, and uh, the president was actually coming out of uh, the White House and so uh, in, in a motorcade, and where we were stopped at an intersection, the Secret Service came and they blocked the intersection. They just came right in front of us bunch of suburbans and they just stopped and they held up traffic and we're thinking what is going on and sure enough here comes the presidential motorcade with the flags and, and uh, I, I thought oh I'm going to get a picture and so I start trying to get out of the car and one of the secret service men with a weapon points at me to get back in my car and so I made sure that I did that but if you've ever been around a celebrity maybe that has created some fanfare or maybe a famous athlete or uh, for me I start sort of fumbling over my words and actions whenever I'm in the presence of somebody who's who's famous, and I just don't know how to act. I don't know what to say. But you know, celebration is is an unusual thing. I've seen people really let go at concerts. You know, if we don't celebrate the right things, then I think what's true about us is our hearts will find something else to celebrate. We'll put something else in our hearts, whether entertainment, whether sports, whether people, whether possessions, and we'll celebrate those things. And But all of these people, they just... As you saw in that clip, they regarded Jesus with highest honor. He was welcomed into Jerusalem with royal treatment. And it was absolutely right. And here's why. It's because Jesus alone is worthy of celebration since he brings salvation and peace. Let's take a look at this passage together out of Luke 19, verse 36, on to verse 40. It says, As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes, on the road, and this right here is a sign of submission. To spread clothes on the road is essentially—think about what they're doing. They're essentially saying and they're, they're symbolizing, "Jesus, you are worthy. We're, we're 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 below you. You're above us. We're honoring you. We're actually, literally lowering ourselves beneath your feet. So they're placing their clothes out on the road so He can walk on their clothes. That's a symbol of honor. And Jesus received their praise. He didn't. Hold them back. This is important to notice. Uh, in other situations, he would he would hush the crowds, or he would lower uh, the attention, or he would delay. Um, he would sort of delay that uh, attention here, while they're giving him honor. He receives their praise. And sometimes, uh, when a a crowd erupts into applause and the speaker rises to, to address the crowd, some famous personality. Uh, you know the, the the applause is just overwhelming, and then the person says, "Hey, no, 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 stop!" And they try to hush the crowd. Sometimes that's a false humility, I think. But but here Jesus, he doesn't try to hush the crowd. He doesn't say, "Hey, shh, quiet." This is a significant turning point where Jesus receives their adoration. This is this is important for us to notice. Here's the King of the Universe, and here he's accepting. The honor. Let's look at verse thirty-seven. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives. Okay, and the whole crowd of the disciples, the whole crowd, all those who followed him from, basically from the whole region, formed a processional, welcoming him into the city. They began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Now, recorded in the biographies of Jesus, the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these four first books of the New Testament, there are over 40 accounts of miracles. Now, that is just what is recorded. There, there were more, I'm sure, but this is what was recorded, these miracles. And because of the miracles, this is actually the reason everybody is praising God joyfully with a loud voice shouting for Jesus that he's entering the city. There's a loud voice. They're excited about it. Can you imagine these miracles? I mean, and and personalize this for a moment. It's hard for us to do this, but can you imagine if Jesus healed your sick brother or mother or your friend? You know, they were sick, maybe even sick and dying, and and Jesus healed them. And whatever was plaguing them was gone in a moment. You would have been out there cheering too. Or if someone from your village who who you knew had, had never walked before... Uh, their legs were not functional, uh, there's no strength in their legs, or or maybe they'd never seen before, and Jesus suddenly healed them in your presence, at the touch of his hand, you would want to be there. You would want to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem. You would want to do that. Or if he had set you free from some deep spiritual bondage, or someone in your life free from some deep spiritual bondage of some form. Again, there were these stories that we've we've read about in the Bible that, And and if you've not read, then read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll read these miracles in Jesus' biographies. These are the stories where Jesus is literally clearing out all of Palestine, that whole region from sickness and demonic oppression. And here he's riding into Jerusalem. And so all of his regional followers and then even just a crowd of people who began to follow him. They're welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. They're joined by this growing entourage and they're raising shouts of praise. They're so full of joy. Now, this reminds me of the gratitude, the joy, and the tears that I, I had for an ER doctor once who helped my family in an emergency. Uh, my son, one of my sons, has a nut allergy. And, and at one point at a wedding, he ate a cookie that had a nut in it. And he got, within a few you know minutes, he started feeling sick and, and he got sick and then we rushed Thirty minutes to the nearest hospital, and he was uh, struggling to breathe, and I was running with him in my arms through the hospital, and the ER uh, doctor that was there they gave, they got us in very quickly um, because he was he wasn't he was having a hard time breathing, and uh, this ER doctor gives him a couple of shots and immediately he's able to gasp and get a deep breath and I, and I think about the gratitude that I had for that doctor, the the, the thankfulness. And he set me at ease, he put his hand on my back, and he said, it's going to be okay, Dad. And I, I was emotional. I was thankful. And in the same way, I think many of these people had someone in their family or near them impacted directly by Jesus. It was just, even just recently, in a nearby village, right before these uh, this account, where Jesus had raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. And so you have all of this fanfare Rightfully poured in Jesus' direction. Now, here's what they're declaring. Verse 38. They would say this: "Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord." Now, this uh, was actually a line from a Psalm that the Jews would chant in, in in some of their festivals and commemorative meals. This is Psalm. This is a quote from Psalm 118.26. And so, these these Jews that are around, they're taking one of their familiar Psalms. And they're, they're aiming at Jesus' direction. They're calling him the king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is serving a specific purpose here. Because here before us is the king of kings. Entering Jerusalem and heading into the temple. Kings rule, and where do they live? Well, they live in temples. And here is the king of the universe entering into the temple of the capital city. This is huge. So think about what they're declaring As a group, they're declaring in unison, the king is here. This is prophetic. This is honor that is rightfully due. And it's it's unlikely that they all knew just how true this statement really was. But then they added this, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. This is the same statement that the angels are singing in chorus at the birth of Jesus. When Jesus is born to Mary, shepherds uh, are watching over their flock and angels appear to shepherds in the fields and Specifically, here's what the angels declare. Glory to God in the highest heaven. This is a a multitude of angels. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And so look again at Luke 19, verse 38. They're saying nearly the same thing. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And so in a very similar way, everyone in Jerusalem is just sort of caught up in praise, they're caught up in making this very same announcement that the angels had declared at his birth. Here he's entering into Jerusalem. The one who's come to change and save the whole world is here, and everyone is joining in this chorus of praise. Now, whenever we gather together in a group to sing, when we gather together to learn from, from the Bible, uh, we gather as a group and we're able to do so much more together. Uh, we're celebrating together. The king and how the king has come. We're joining our voices together. Not, not just like singing in a concert, but we're declaring that there is this one true king who alone came to save and to bring peace. And so we join in on that song. Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century British preacher, he said this. He said, I believe a very large majority of churchgoers are merely unthinking, slumbering worshippers of an unknown God. You know, if, if you're a Christ follower, don't let that be said of you. Don't be, don't be in slumber. Don't be unthinking. Instead, sing out. Praise Him. Lift your voices. Back to the city of Jerusalem. Not everyone here is excited. So the crowd is declaring this, and then it says in verse 39, some of the Pharisees from the crowd told Him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They knew the Pharisees, they knew they were unable to quiet the crowd. They knew they were unable to control the crowd, but they thought Jesus could control the crowd. You know, these Pharisees knew what the crowd was declaring. They knew the history of the Jewish prophecies that pointed to the Messiah, who would come riding into Jerusalem on a colt and here Jesus' is is making a declaration, and then the people are recognizing. Well, the people, some recognize it, some are just joining in, but the Pharisees know the Scriptures well enough to realize they believe this is the King, they believe this is the Messiah. And, in fact, they were right. So, the Pharisees attempt to silence the crowd. Now, let's look at Jesus' response. In verse 40, he answered to the Pharisees, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. And how could these people not cry out? Again, after all they had witnessed, after all the miracles, if people held back their praise, Jesus said the rocks would cry out. This is startling imagery. This is interesting imagery. Rocks crying out. How does that work? This is really similar to other passages you find in the Bible. There's verses of of God's creation giving God praise and honor. Look at these other poetic passages where Inanimate objects are praising God. Look at Psalm 114, verse 5 through 7. The psalm reads, Why was it sea that you fled? Jordan that you turned back. Jordan River turned back. Mountains that you skipped like rams. Hills like lambs. Tremble earth at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the God of Jacob. So you see part of God's creation is responding to God in his presence. Or in Isaiah 55, verse 12, it says, You will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, how does that happen? I don't know. But what he's saying is these inanimate objects, these these objects of God's creation, sing their praises to God constantly. Psalm 148, verses 1 through 13. An entire psalm here declares this same idea. I want to read A good portion of it for you. Psalm 148, beginning with verse 1. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly armies. This is an invitation. Praise Him, sun and moon. Again, created aspects of God's creation. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created He set them in position forever and ever. He gave them an order that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. All sea monsters and ocean depths. Lightning and hail. Snow and clouds. Stormy wind that executes his command. Mountains and all hills. Fruit trees and all cedars. Wild animals and all cattle. Creatures that crawl and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and all judges of the earth. Young men as well as young women. Old and young together. Let them praise The name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. (laughs) And what we see is all of us and every single person on the planet and everything that has been made was created to bring God praise. (laughs) We all are to bring him praise. And we see that in all of these verses and in Jesus' response to these critical religious leaders when they tell him, hey, tell your followers to to quiet down. He says, "If, if, if they're... Quiet. If they remain silent, the very rocks will cry out. He's he's basically just declaring what we see through all of Scripture that all of creation, including all of us, were created to bring God praise. Now, sometimes I, I I hear this. Well, shouldn't my faith be private? Or I've asked a person about their faith and they said, you know, that's that's really private. Well, the reality is, our faith is personal, yes, but it's not private. God does not intend for you to just keep your faith to yourself. In our day and age, though. People might get bothered at Christian worship, especially if a person or a culture is living in total opposition to God. But, you know, growing Christian churches and growing individual Christians, you can't remain silent. You have to praise Him. You have to follow Him. And I would say, I would just remind you to expect opposition. This this hushing that is going on, there's always going to be a group of, of people opposing God's people. And trying to oppose you if you take seriously your relationship with Jesus Christ. And just like these Pharisees, Trying to silence them, don't be surprised at that. Don't be silenced. So, how how can we respond? You know, it's Palm Sunday, and I think today is is an important day for us just to put the focus on celebration. A couple things. One is that the King has come, and He will return. This is the great news. He has come. He already came. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. This is why we amplify Easter. He came. He lived a perfect life. He died for our sins, and then through his power because he was God he was risen from the dead we believe he came to save us we believe that he's coming back again and so we celebrate Easter Sunday coming up next week is a huge opportunity every Easter each year we, we we sort of make this a huge celebration year after year it looks differently how we approach it how we how we present the message but our approach has been consistent God he uses his church and he uses you all he uses his followers to be a part of continuing. His rescue plan. And so Easter is a huge opportunity because it's become a culturally acceptable day to go to church. A lot of people, they think, well, I should probably go to church on Easter or Christmas. And so we like to buy up the opportunity just knowing there's new people coming around. And many people, they go to church on Easter, even if they're not yet Christians. And COVID, one of the things I think we learned is COVID taught us that people really do miss relationships and they battled with so much while in isolation. So In fact, at OCC, we typically see, you know, we might have our normal first-time guest count. Whatever it is on a typical Sunday, we generally see 10 times our normal guest amount. Not attenders, but the guests who come on a given Sunday is usually 10 times that number of first-time guests on an Easter Sunday than on a normal Sunday. So let's anticipate a flood of guests coming for Easter. But by far, the number one source of guests coming to OCC is a personal invite. And so, the last three weeks, we've been inviting you to amplify Easter and the Easter message with us as you consider who in your life might be able to, uh, you might be able to invite to join you on Easter Sunday here at OCC. Either join you live Sunday in one of our morning services or watch this with you online. And we've also heard personal stories about how a personal invite made an impact and prompted people to attend. So, I want to just take a look back at some of those stories as we've been talking about our Amplify Easter initiative.
0: We've been able to make a difference in our lives, get wisdom and people to do life with, um, and also just make a generational impact on our kids um, and just really see them grow to love God and the difference it's made in our lives. And that wouldn't have happened if our friends hadn't invited him and encouraged us to keep coming. I would encourage you to take the step of inviting someone because in my situation my wife was trying to invite me and i still would to go and i had no idea how bad it, that i needed to go and how much it would change my life but because someone that i had just met that day invited me mine my wife's my family's life completely changed the direction it was headed
1: this friend that I met from school and who
0: happened to to be the parent of my student wasn't like bold enough to just invest and invite me to OCC I never would have had the opportunity to experience the type of growth and vulnerability that God has given me at OCC because of my relationships and so that invite has changed my life because my friend took the time to invest in me and invite me and pray for me, um, my life has completely changed. So I would encourage you to take that step of investing in others, inviting others, praying for others, because you just, you never know what God can do.
1: Now, stories are really powerful because life change that God brought, it's real. It's undeniable. When you know someone whose life is different because of Jesus, you got to do something with that. You got to reflect on that. You got to evaluate that. You know, it's not too late to invite. So we just encourage you to take that step and, and use some of those tools of invitations. If you've been on the fence, we encourage you to, to go ahead and begin inviting people. And if you've already invited, we would just say be praying and looking for ways to follow up on that invitation. And let's see what God does through our uh, collective efforts. Another piece of celebration is celebrate right now. I want to encourage you not to miss an opportunity to celebrate, whether in the good, when times are good, you know, it's important to celebrate. There's a song that we sing. It's called House of the Lord. And we, it talks about how we sing for joy in the Lord's house. You know, the enemy, he wants to rob you of joy. You might listen to that song, House of the Lord. If the enemy, he wants to rob you of joy. Don't let him do that. Singing praises is the way to push back the darkness that really tries to invade our lives, creep in, and steal what God is doing or has done in the past. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, celebrate right now in the good. And then also celebrate right now through the battles. There's another song that we sing that highlights this idea. It's called Battle Belongs. And when you feel the pains of life, when the darkness just doesn't seem to be clearing out, or when your days are full of tension and conflict or inner turmoil, don't stay up in your head. We're tempted to, to do that, and we just battle up here. Don't stay there. Turn to God in praise. And actually, I would encourage you, even right now, even right now, as we wrap up our service, as we sing, would you join in singing with us? Turning our hearts to praise. Let's do that together. Some next steps. First would be this. Push myself further and further towards praise. Whether singing his praises, whether declaring his truth, whether, whether praying and giving thanks, whether turning a conversation that's going in the wrong direction towards a hopeful ending. Push yourself further and further towards praise. And then second... Would you pray each day this week for guests who've been invited to Easter Sunday? In fact, let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time. Uh, we count it as an honor and a privilege to be able to celebrate uh, this special season uh, where we'll look at uh, the sacrifice you made for us and the resurrection where you conquered death in the grave, Lord, and you give us hope for a new life. We thank you for each person watching. I pray for those that don't yet know you that they would Uh, be drawing closer and closer to you and become more and more curious. And for those of us who are your followers, that we would uh, be a part of amplifying Easter this year. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at OCCAtHome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.